If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, joined here with Jacob Kelly. And today we're going to talk about college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball offseason beginning. But before we do all of that, we're going to start off by talking about FAU football. And they ended their season on not too high of a note, uh, losing 28-17 to to Middle Tennessee on Saturday. Not too hot of a performance. Uh, I was not there. Usually I am. I've been at every home game this season. Uh, but I broadcasted my final FAU football game already. And Jacob Kelly, hey, you took over. You did the, the game against Middle Tennessee this past Saturday. And I tuned in when FAU was up. I was like, oh, FAU's got this. We're going to get the bowl game. I'm ready. You know, and then I, I'm sorry, but, you know, I tuned off the game. I'm like, FAU's got this, blah, blah, blah. And then I start seeing the score, and it's completely changed. FAU's up 17-3. to They end up losing 28-17. And I asked you before we got on air, what was that like to watch? It was it was a hard watch. It was a great start of the game. FAU took their first drive down and scored a touchdown, uh, put up put up touchdown first second quarter uh, up at half fourteen to three. And you didn't feel a sense of security necessarily, but you were feeling that you know we we've we've done enough. We've kept them out of the end zone. However, in that second quarter, they did bench their starting quarterback. Uh, uh, Vadiato because Chase Cunningham has been out for the season. So they brought in the backup quarterback, Mac DiLiello, who provided a much different uh, play style at quarterback. He's somebody who enjoyed running around, and he did that a lot. Well, even if it was for a pass or for a throw, uh, had 43 yards, had a touchdown, and we could not stop him once he came into the game. Didn't necessarily light the world on fire. However, that extra element that he had on offense, our defense just – couldn't seem to handle and then on offense outside of Nicosi and outside of uh, outside of uh, Lejante Webster we, we, we had nobody our running game never got started Johnny Ford had 41 point or 41 yards in the first quarter however he finished with 53 only getting 12 more after that uh, James Charles seven yards Nicosi Perry had 16 it was it was a very weak performance on offense and then just slowly chipped away on defense it, it was really it was, a, it was a hard watch because you're sitting there, you're knowing, you know what we could do. You know what our, our strong suits are. Our strong suits are speed, getting guys into space. And we weren't able to utilize that at all outside really the first drive. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, you, you just mentioned it. I mean, you look at those offensive numbers, those rushing numbers, that, that was FAU's strength. They're a running back factory. They've produced NFL running backs in the past. Devin Singletary, most recently so. And when you don't have those guys going, it's tough to get anything going on offense. But I just think that the, the collapse in the second half mainly has to do with what you first addressed, which was they changed quarterbacks. And when the look was changed up, the coaching staff, namely Willie Taggart, and this is all I'm going to say on the situation, he couldn't change up. He couldn't react to what they were doing to him. And FAU, they just couldn't adjust and they didn't win the game. I don't want to go too hard on it. All I'm going to say is I think FAU 
probably needs to move on from Willie Taggart. I don't think that they will. I think like most colleges do, they're probably going to give him a third year. They're going to say first year was COVID. This year was unfortunate. Let's give him a third year. You know, let some of his recruits come in. Let Michael Johnson take over a quarterback, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm even for that, although I think it's likely to happen that way. So I don't know. I'm just so mixed on the situation because Willie Taggart's such a good recruiter. He's a great guy, but X's and O's, it's it's doesn't seem to be there. There's been a lack of preparation all season. There's been a lapse of judgment. Um, specifically speaking, I mean, when I was at the games with you, uh, when they don't take timeouts in certain situations, uh, certain play calls in certain you just go, I mean, I don't know very much about X's and O's. I'm just a broadcaster. And I go, why aren't you doing that? Right. And so, uh, and then you look at him and Mike Norvell, which it's funny for FSU fans, him and Mike Norvell have the same record uh, since Willie Taggart left FSU, uh, which I find pretty hilarious. Also though, which is even worse about that is Willie Taggart's coaching in a worse conference. He should have a better record. So is it too big of a sample size? I don't know. That's why I'm so mixed on it. I don't want to, I know there's a lot of people on the side of how dare you say Willie Taggart's the problem. It's, it's all these other things. So I don't want to go too hard on that, but in my opinion, move off Willie Taggart. I don't think he's the X's and O's coach that you take to the AAC. I think that recruiting is going to suffer heavily because players are going to think, what, what is he going to do with me once I get to FAU? Or am, I, am I going to go there? Is my reputation going to go down? I don't know. Jacob, what do you think about all that? Well, I think, uh, well, first I want to say that I think that the game yesterday was very indicative of the season as a whole. The season as a whole, we came into the season with, you know, we wanted to compete at the very least for the Conference USA title. And through the first half of the season, we were there. We were in the running. We were first place in the Conference USA East, similarly in the game. Through the first first quarter, first half, we were leading 14-3. to three. Uh, And so we were in position to, you know, we, 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 we didn't even think there was a possibility we missed out on a bowl game. You're sitting at uh, five and three, top of Conference USA East, and you're going into that game. I believe was was that first game we lost was at Marshall, uh, where you yeah. go into that you can clinch a bowl, you can clinch a bowl just uh, eligibility, and furthering your just attempt against the, the the Conference USA championship game. You lose that, and then throughout the rest of the season you lose four games in a row to end the season. A very very weak performance to to end it. And I don't know if we won a game since the news came out that we were moving to the AAC. So yeah. you, ha- you have that high that was immediately, immediately hit with a crash. And uh, as, you've, as you just mentioned, we've, we did when we were in the booth together, mostly, mostly when we were weren't on air, mostly when we were in between commercial breaks. I mean, I definitely recall you and I multiple times talking about how, like, is that, was that the right call? Was that the right personnel? Where's Johnny Ford? Where's, you know, what's, what, what just, what's, what's the plan? What's the plan? What's the vision that Taggart was taking with his team, taking with the offense? And as, as the season started to unfold, we saw the team as a whole start to unfold. So, you know, it, it, I've been losing quite a bit of our, our senior class. Uh, there's Khalif, Khalif Bryce, Jordan Helm, two of the defensive leaders, uh, Brandon Robinson on offense, just to name a few of these guys that I know, or James Charles, just to name a few that I know are, are going to be moving on after the season. So you're losing some leaders, you're losing some of your key players, uh, and it's just in the statistical category alone, you're losing some some huge uh, key players. So going to next season, uh, I do believe we'll end up keeping Taggart. However, it it does, do, do things need to change if he'd like to keep his job beyond this next season. 
Yeah, no, I agree. If, if he is brought back, which it's likely, there needs to be a vast improvement because if they go in and don't even get a bowl game again next year, what exactly did FAU get moved? And I've said this multiple times. Why did they get moved to the AAC for the Kiffin era? Because there, nothing else has been done at FAU other than the Lane Kiffin era for the, for the most part. So I, I think FAU needs to go into the AAC with a, with a strong message, and that has to come out next season. We'll see if it will. I think that'll end the FAU football conversation. I know FAU basketball. I want to pimp this out on the podcast. Jay, you're going to be doing a lot of games with FAU Owl Radio for the basketball team. Uh, I know you already have. Uh, they've been pretty good this season. I know they've had some up and down losses of recent uh, memory, but they've also had some close games against high caliber teams, uh, Miami being one of them. So uh, what have you seen out of FAU basketball this season? And uh, tell people where you can listen to those uh, those games. Well, we should, should hopefully be able to continue on FAU Owl Radio and on the game. The football game on uh, on on Saturday wasn't broadcast on FAU already. There was some miscommunication whether uh, we were able to access uh, the FAU student union. So that ultimately got put on my YouTube channel, and I believe you could go back and even watch it just in case uh, anybody wants to look at my uh, my footage there. Uh, but but uh, the uh, and also the YouTube channel is JK Sports. Um, uh, yeah, FAU FAU basketball. I was fortunate enough to be there. For the uh, for the the first game of the uh, what was it what was it called the Paradise Classic, yep. Uh, where I, uh, the the first game there won won that game. Uh, however, as a whole, you know, not the start of the season you want three and four. Uh, came came out started three and two. You know, uh, lost that that really close nail biter game against Miami, where you know you're down by five with less than a minute to go. You you get a and one layup, miss the free miss the free throw, hit a three pointer to tie the game, and then a you know, uh, game winning layup down the other end by Miami. However, uh, the win against UT Martin that first game of the Paradise Classic, uh, North B North Dakota that very next uh, very next game, and then losses followed by uh, Troy and James Madison. It's a it's a five hundred start, you know, almost almost five hundred start three and four. So this could really go in either direction, especially once we see the uh, the, the conference game start to come and play. Uh, Michael Forrest has been outstanding. Uh, He's our best, our, our best score all around and picked up again from last year. Great, great perimeter player plays above his, above his height, above his weight, only six, six, one, 180 pounds. However, he's one of our best rebounders as a point guard. So hopefully he can lead us on. And when, as the season starts to kick on, maybe CFAU get more in consideration from conference USA. This team hasn't had an appearance in the, in the big dance uh, in over 10 years now. So be really big to see this program move on and hopefully step up where the the football program wasn't able to yeah well hey i wish you luck for that season i wish the fau owls luck for the fau basketball season i hope i can catch a game before i graduate and fau baseball also going to be broadcast on owl radio this season and we're also trying to get a lot of broadcasters if you're listening to this anyone who's interested in broadcasting at fau please go to jacob kelly um, i will leave his information in the description of this podcast um, go to FAU Owl Radio. It's a gold mine. You can start your own show. You can get interviews with FAU athletes. You can announce any sport you want. I know that most of the time you see us doing FAU football, baseball, basketball. I've had people that are, have expressed interest in softball, women's basketball, volleyball, track and field, tennis, anything that can be announced and that you're interested in doing FAU soccer, women's soccer, anything. We have the technology and the ability to do it over there. I won't be there anymore, but again, Jacob Kelly will. So I'm going to put his stuff in the link in the description below. Uh, so 
you know, hey, those are teams that we don't really get to cover a lot because in the past we've had kind of pretty much two headsets, but we're starting to figure out a way to where we may be able to do multiple live streams from multiple things at the same time with a lot of different broadcasters. So literally any sport, any time, we may be able to uh, work something out for you. And again, go to Jacob Kelly, stuff in the description below. So let's move on. I'm going to go over Major League Baseball very quickly, but I'm not going to go too much in detail about it because I'm going to do Strictly Baseball with Steve later this week after December 1st. Um, and the reason for that is because Major League Baseball may very well be going into a lockout and it's probably about 95% likely that this will happen. That's why a lot of moves have been happening as a breed. If you've been following the news on Twitter, a lot of moves have been going down in the last two or three days. That's going to be the case today. We're recording this on Monday. It's going to continue through Tuesday. And then December 1st, boom, the clock hits midnight and the league will mostly be locked out, meaning contracts cannot be signed. Another thing is tomorrow, meaning Tuesday, is also the non-tender deadline, meaning teams have tomorrow to decide whether they're going to give players that are on the eligibility for contracts, if they're going to give them contracts or not. So there's a lot of players like, for example, with the Yankees, Gary Sanchez is eligible to be tendered or non-tendered. His contract is up for eight and a half million dollars. The Yankees could say tomorrow we're non-tendering Gary Sanchez. We don't think he's worth eight and a half million dollars and they can go a different direction at catcher. So a lot of teams are in that scenario with a lot of players tomorrow. It has to do with 40 man rosters, stuff like that. Lots of stuff going down, but the drama started in Major League Baseball a little bit with the Mets, not Max Scherzer. I'm not going to get to that yet, but Starling Marte two days ago, signing with the New York Mets, four years, $78 million. Then they signed Mark Canna, two years, 26, and Eduardo Escobar, two years, $20 million. I think all of these moves are tremendous for the New York Mets. Now, it also means that Michael Conforto is not going to be going back to the Mets. Neither is Noah Syndergaard. He signed one year, $21 million with the Angels. But I would say that Escobar, Canna, Marte, and Scherzer is better than Syndergaard and Conforto. Now, that might come back to bite me. Syndergaard could come back. He might not get hurt. He could be a Cy Young candidate again. And Michael Conforto could go out and hit 36 home runs like he did in 2019. There's a lot of different possibilities for the New York Mets or for those guys that might leave the New York Mets. But Starling Marte is a top three center fielder. He stole 47 bags, hit 290 plus. He can hit 20 plus home runs. Then you bring in Mark Canna. He's a top 10 left fielder. He's a five tool player, steals bases, good defense. He can hit for average. He walks. He's actually at a higher on base percentage than Aaron Judge over the last three years. Then you bring in Eduardo Escobar, 28 home runs last year, switch hitter, plays third base. This also allows Dominic Smith, not that great of a defender. DH likely coming to the NL. Dom Smith gets to DH. So you get to add a lot of power, a lot of different components to this offense. Uh, and then you add in Scherzer. Jacob deGrom Scherzer uh, is going to be the best one-two punch in the National League. And by the way, Scherzer's contract, three years, $130 million. That's for an average annual value of 100, uh, excuse me, average annual value of $43 million. It's the highest average value of any player ever in major league baseball. And this comes after the anniversary yesterday of Reggie Jackson signing a contract. And let me pull this up because this is hilarious of how the times have changed. He signed yes. Uh, today is the anniversary 45 years ago 
that Reggie Jackson signed a contract with the Yankees for five years and three and a half million dollars. So it tells you uh, how much the numbers have changed. Unreal. Um, so also for Marlins fans out there, Avasayel Garcia signed a four-year, $58 million contract with the Miami Marlins. This comes after they signed Sandy Alcantara to a, uh, to a contract extension. Word on the streets is that the Marlins are not done. They wanted to bring back Starling Marte. Obviously, that didn't happen. They're looking at other avenues, and Derek Jeter and the ownership group, uh, this is the largest contract that they have given out. They are looking to spend more, so good for the Miami Marlins. Um, I'm going to go through the list real quick. Uh, very quick moves. And I'm going to do this again on strictly baseball, but Tucker Barnhart to the Tigers, just a backup catcher, Wade Miley starting pitching depth for the Cubs. Um, again, like I mentioned, Noah Syndergaard, one year, $21 million. Aaron loop, big reliever with the angels. He signed a contract. One of the best relievers in baseball angels needed pitching help. Boom. They get him Anthony DiScofani and Alex Wood going back to the Giants, big pieces of the rotation. Now, somebody who isn't coming back is Kevin Gaussman. He went five years, $110 million to the Toronto Blue Jays, and this is after the Blue Jays signed Barrios to a seven-year extension. So now that rotation is going to have Yunjin Ryu, Jose Barrios, Kevin Gaussman, the young prospect Alec Manoa, and then a fifth starter, either Ross Stripling or um, Nate Pearson. So that's a very deep rotation with a very stacked lineup, but not as stacked of a lineup as it was last year. Marcus Semien leaves the Blue Jays, going to the Texas Rangers, seven years, $145 million. And the word on the streets also is that the Texas Rangers are not done. They're still looking for a shortstop, and they also signed John Gray to a four-year contract around $60 million. So a lot of stuff going on. Also, Kendall Graveman to the Chicago White Sox, so on top of Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks, Garrett Crochet, and Aaron Bummer, they have now added Kendall Graveman. So that might be five relievers that you can make an argument are in the top 12 to 15 relievers in baseball. Uh, so the White Sox are stacked in that regard. Uh, Hector Norris, reliever with the Astros, two-year contract. Corey Kluber to the Tampa Bay Rays, one-year, $8 million. And knowing the Rays, he's going to be Cy Young Corey Kluber again. Uh, and then other than that, we are kind of waiting for stuff to go down in Major League Baseball. A lot of stuff supposed to happen. Clayton Kershaw still a free agent. And uh, I, by the way, I forgot to mention Justin Verlander also re-upped with the Astros two years, $50 million. Uh, so that is the Major League Baseball rundown on free agency so far. Steve and I are going to break that stuff down in detail on Strictly Baseball later this week. So Jacob, are you ready for this college football stuff from this weekend? It was pretty crazy. Um, holy cow. Wow. Wow. Uh, best weekend of college football up to this point in rivalry weekend. It couldn't have been timed any perfect, more perfect. Uh, I mean, I'm sure the first game you're going to want to talk about the first first big game of, uh, of Saturday, that Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, that. Hassan Haskins has to has to just propel himself at the very least into the Heisman conversation. Whether I, I don't think he's may may not have had the the uh, the stats over the year of the the entirety of the year, but wow, uh, Michigan getting their first win under Jim Harbaugh against Ohio State in his sixth attempt, two versus five, and just the setting was just so perfect. You have see that snow where you know that that time of year is finally here. The the winter is finally here. Great time for football. 
and Michigan just propel themselves into a playoff spot as long as they take care of business against Iowa in the uh, the Big Ten Championship next uh, next week. But I, I believe I saw a stat that said uh, 49 out of the 50 states were, were, were rooting for Michigan over Michigan over Ohio State on Saturday. Ah, man, a, a phenomenal game. Yeah, I mean, I think America's tired of seeing Clemson, Ohio State, Bama every single year, and Oklahoma, basically uh, them on repeat every single year since this format started. I was certainly happy to see Ohio State go down. I know people that root for Michigan that have been in fan hell for a number of years now, and it's just good to see that happen. I still think Harbaugh is overrated, but good for him for finally getting that win over Ohio State. You shaking your head there? I don't necessarily agree with that. I've been defending oh. it for quite a few years now because I think Michigan is is where they should be. And I think it's it's unreasonable to expect Michigan to be in the top four year in, year out. They, they've never been that kind of team. Yeah, they've but never been. once until now. Yeah, it's it's they should they have been probably yeah, but they've also got extremely unlucky on a few plays, uh, a few plays that in in games in years past, which really could have changed the the where their season went. You look back a few years ago, Michigan that Michigan State game with a blocked punt, uh, you you punt you get that punt away, you win that game, and the rest of your season it, it probably looks a little different. You could have made it to the top four. Uh, they had a game a few years back against Ohio State. Had one had one really egregious penalty called. I don't remember exactly what the penalty was, but it was it was really bad. They showed it on Saturday on on uh, on the telecast. That play call goes a little differently. Michigan could be looking at one or two playoff appearances. How those neither of those have gone that way. Now they put themselves in an opportunity where if they just beat a weak Iowa team, Iowa team that did not deserve to be top four when they were, and they continue to fall down the rankings. They just uh, snuck out a win, I believe, was against Nebraska or somebody. I don't remember who who they played uh, on Saturday, but they should take care of business against them and easily get into the top four. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, this weekend's the Big Ten Championship. Iowa just they just have trouble moving the ball. I think they're going to have they're probably going to win. Although, I, because the thing is, usually you could say it's a trap game, but it's the Big Ten Championship game. I don't think they're really going to let down on any sort of effort level or concentration level i think they're in it they know they have to win the game uh it's a must win obviously so other than that i know that this we're based out of florida florida beat uh fsu 24 to 21 uh battle of the crap schools this year uh no i'm kidding but uh no you're not it's 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 honesty <laughs> hey uh right but dan mullen fired uh and you guys are hiring you want to talk about i know you're a uf guy i know cj and steve uh would probably vomit if they heard this but uh, I know you guys just hired a new head coach. What do you think about that? I, I got to be honest with you. I did, I don't know a lot about him. I already forgot his name. Uh, <laughs> Billy uh, Napier. Billy Napier, yeah, from uh, UL Monroe, I believe it is, right? Yep. UL Monroe, UL Philadelphia, one of those two. I'll be honest with you. I have not watched a lot of U, uh, University of Louisiana Monroe games. I've heard he's, really, he's, a, he's an intensity guy. Uh, we saw what happens with our last intensity guy, Will Muschamp. So hopefully he's he's got a little more brains than Muschamp had. Uh, I think it was a I think it was a little a little soon to move off of off of um, up the up I, I agree I agree you ha- you last year last year you go you you get in the SEC championship if a couple of games go a different way you if you win the SEC SEC championship you could have a possibility of moving on to the top four and into the college football playoff so there's just a matter of plays you know Marco Wilson to- Marco Whistle- Wilson tossing a shoe the SEC championship game while Alabama did have a lead near the entire game, FAU, like they would score, but, but Florida wasn't allowing them to gain that big of a 
a big of a lead towards the end, which is to the end of the game. So you go from that, and then it makes sense that you have a drop-off when you lose. You know, the, one of the best tight ends in college football history goes, to, goes fourth overall in Kyle Pitts. You lose Kadarius Toney, who's also a first-round pick. You lose your quarterback who goes in the draft, uh, goes in the draft to the Buccaneers. And then you also lost Trayvon Grimes. Uh, it, it was such a drop-off on offense, and I've never been an Emory Jones believer every single year. He comes in and he, he looks like he's going to have the starting job. And all my friends try to tell me, oh, Emory Jones, he's going to be good. I've never bought it. He can't throw the ball. He's a quarterback. Yeah. He can't throw the ball. And he got he, he played horrible in the first half, got benched for the freshman kid who came in and did all right, won us the game. So it, it, I don't think it was warranted. However, I don't get a vote. I don't get a say. So I'm just going to hope that this new era of, of Florida Gator football is going to be a little better. We will see. We will see. So. Alabama-Auburn, that was a crazy game. You were in the booth during that game. I was watching it on TV on CBS. Alabama won 24-22 in four overtimes. It was crazy. I mean, you know, Auburn was up by so much, you thought it was actually going to happen. Although I was kind of sitting there as the pessimist. I'm like, guys, it's Bama. This is this is not over yet. And when that running back, man, when he did not get down and killed the time off the clock and he went out of bounds instead, that was where the game was lost. And uh, right when that happened, I was like, Bama's going to go and they're going to tie this game. And that's exactly what they did. They went in, they won in overtime. And listen, are they deserving of a top four spot? Technically, they are. They won the game. They're a one-loss team, blah, blah, blah. But they're about to go in and face the number one team in the country this weekend in the SEC championship game. And I think they're going to lose. I just think that Auburn's defense shut them down before they came back in that fourth quarter and turned into Alabama again. I don't think you have that luxury against Georgia because while Alabama was struggling, Auburn wasn't scoring that much either. The difference is when you're struggling against Georgia to score points, they they could put up a touchdown every time they go on the field. So this is a much different thing for Alabama. And I actually think that they're in very big jeopardy now of missing the college football playoffs, which – If we don't have Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, those four big schools, that, I mean, this year is insane. I I love what you just said there. I I love the fact that it's going to be a a breath of fresh air. It's going to be four, it's looking to be four new teams. You know, Alabama could come out and beat Georgia. I don't expect that. The game was tied at 10. Auburn couldn't move the ball downfield. Their quarterback only had 137 yards and two touchdowns. Couldn't run the ball worth a lick. Like, Alabama should have won that game. Bryce Young had 317 yards. They should have won that game. However, they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. They couldn't capitalize on drives. So they didn't deserve to win. Auburn didn't deserve to win. But Alabama moves on to this SEC championship game. Assuming they lose, it's a a fresh breath of air. You're going to probably look at 100% Georgia's in it, no matter what at this point, going undefeated, winning the way they've won throughout the season, even if they were to lose in the SEC championship game, they're going to be in. Assuming Michigan wins, they're in. Then you have the possibility of Cincinnati, the one of the first non-big five school to make it in to the top four. You have Oklahoma State who could win their Big 12 championship. They just won against Oklahoma. May have had a little something to do with a certain head coach abandoning ship. Well, who knows? Uh, but it, it, and you also have Notre Dame who we saw lose to Cincinnati earlier this year. But since then, they've, they've played steady. They've won all their games. So all these teams that, I mean, I couldn't tell you amongst that group who's the last one to have won a national championship. So it's it's a nice breath of fresh air. 
I mean, if it were me, I'd go call mistake because if they win this game, that's five legitimate wins on their schedule and their only losses to Iowa State. And they've been ranked. They weren't ranked when they played them, but they were ranked to start the year. They have a good quarterback, Brock Purdy. So you can make the argument that if that's their one loss, I mean, you kind of got to let them in. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm rooting for mayhem, though, in the college football uh, season that I'm looking for any games. Obviously, yeah, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma 37 to 33. But yeah, Lincoln Riley going to USC. The, the, what an insane move for Lincoln Riley. Kind of came out of the blue. Every season there's rumors that he's going to leave and go somewhere else. This time he actually did it. And good for him. He's going out to L.A., uh, you know, live in the sun, nice weather. And he's going to get to coach the Coliseum and bring that program back to where it used to be. Uh, now, USC struggled at doing that for quite some time. They have not been relevant in 10-plus years. Um, but the Pac-12 is wide open. Oregon is pretty much not dominated, but they've been the most consistent program out there. Other than that, you have years where you get Stanford in there, uh, Washington at time, Washington State. But those are individuals spurted out years over time. Uh, other than that, it's just Oregon. So I think USC can really return to glory here if this Lincoln-Riley thing works out. Uh, absolutely. That news broke dead in the middle of the NFL slate yesterday. It's 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 really unheard of. You see t- these coaches every single year. Somebody, let's say they have they're from a lower school. Let's say they, let's say like there's a possibility of of Lane Kiffin moving on from from uh, from uh, Ole Miss. I'm drawing, Ole Miss. There you go. I was drawing a blank there. Moving on to to Miami. Who uh, could it possibly have a a coaching uh, coaching opening? You see a lot of these move like slight upgrades, but it's very rare you see a coach from one of the top schools move to a fellow top school. Oklahoma right. has been a, a blue blood of college football for much longer than my lifetime. And USC has also been, however, they've been, they've been desperate. They've needed somebody. They had a little bit of resurgence when Sam Darnold was their quarterback. However, they haven't been able to get the coach or quarterback right since. Uh, have been a lot, have been mostly irrelevant over the last few years. So to go out get Lincoln Riley is absolutely huge in LA. You need you need a reason for people to watch you when you're competing with two football teams, two basketball teams, two baseball teams, all of which are are, are pretty good and have stars in them. So USC had to go out and do something like this to get the recruits, to get the watches, and uh, maybe not next year, but two years from now when he has his own recruits and he can bring people in. And really have his 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 stamp on this program. USC is is probably going to be up at the top again. We will see. I, I hope so because that also helps breathe in a new a breath of air. Because the Pac-12 is again just Oregon for all these years. You get USC to return to justice. You have a team on the West Coast. Maybe USC becomes just as big of a thing as Alabama. But I, I also think a big thing to this is Lincoln Riley was a little scared of the SEC. I think he knew that once he moved over there, he might have to play. I mean, depending on what side they put him on, he'd be having to play some really good schools every year. And at Oklahoma, maybe he didn't think he could do that. And he wants to go out to USC, which I said is a lot more wide open. So I don't know. But now we can move on to the NFL. uh, And breaking news just came in about five minutes ago. Uh, Christian McCaffrey out for the season uh, again. So, This is just a thought that, you know, first reaction, NFL teams need to stop paying running backs. Uh, I I just think you have him, you have Saquon, that you've seen Chubb and Hunt go out this year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire missed time this year. Derrick Henry hit IR this year. 
Kamara's been out. Aaron Jones has been out. Dalvin Cook's out again. He tore his labrum. All these guys get injured. They cannot be get Zeke Elliott's been on a decline since he signed his deal. You can't be signing these guys anymore. Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you. Derrick Henry might be the one that I say deserves yeah, yeah, yeah. his money because he yeah. he directly has an influence on how Tennessee plays. You've seen without right. him, even though they've gone on to beat the Rams, they are not the same football team without Derrick Henry. However, when you see Christian McCaffrey on the field, Christian McCaffrey doesn't really make too big of a difference as to whether the Carolina Panthers win or lose a game. Dalvin Cook, I could say makes a difference, but you also have those two stud receivers on the outside. Saquon Barkley, certainly, uh, with how, how frequent he is injured and how the, uh, the Giants have looked, he's, he's not deserving of a big contract. So, yeah, I, I have to absolutely agree with you. These guys that, beyond their first contract, just seem to get hurt time in and time out. And then you have these running backs that are coming in from college. You have Najee Harris this year, who should be in the rookie of the year conversation. Uh, DeAndre Swift is still on his on his rookie contract. You have so many good young running backs that come in every single season that why are you sp- in a salary cap league? Why are you spending serious amounts of cash on a guy that can be replaced by a f- fourth or fifth rounder in college? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, you get these guys coming in like a factory every year and you could just bring these guys in pay them cheap amount of money and that's it so and and i would also like to address too i don't think it's even necessarily that these guys production doesn't warrant them being paid i think they deserve based off what they've done in the past but the problem is that once you commit after the commitment is what the problem is so i think these guys are getting paid what they deserve but it's also such a huge risk to where you know, okay, you're going to get those guys in there. They're going to play. They're going to get their yards. They're going to get their touchdowns, but they're not going to be there as consistently as they were before you paid them. So that's kind of the more the point, but we will see. Uh, and if you look at the rest of the NFL from this weekend, let's go to the scores. So on Thanksgiving, Jared Goff is still winless without Sean McVay. It's unreal. They are 0-10-1. Uh, the Bears won 16-14. Good for them. Dallas Cowboys lost in overtime, 36-33. To the Raiders, I think Skip Bayless, if anyone saw his reaction, he was saying it's the worst game he's ever seen the Dallas Cowboys play. I'm like, you're overreacting a little bit. Can you not recognize that Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb are out? Uh, Dexter Lawrence is out. All these guys on their defense are out. Can you calm down a little bit? He should know this stuff. I feel like it's for clicks a little bit. It probably is. But the Raiders, uh, I mean, their season was on the line. They had to win that game. The Cowboys know – if we lose, we're still winning the NFC least. Uh, overreactions are over the moon for that game. Yes, absolutely. It was definitely the best of the of the bunch of the Thanksgiving games. However, Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott played great, 375 yards. And Zeke is, uh, as we just mentioned with the running back, Zeke is quite banged up. So you're going into next week. I'd probably look to play Tony Pollard a little bit more than they are, but the Cowboys are, they're fine. You know, we, we just saw, we just saw the, the mockery for lack of a better word, of the Giants and Eagles game. That that was a game that I didn't even realize it was going on. I mean, I, to be fair, I was at the Dolphins game yesterday. However, I'm keeping track with, you know, fantasy with all the other games. I didn't know that the game was going on until it hit the fourth quarter just because I hadn't heard anything from the game. It was it was a sad excuse for a football game. You're going to have Washington play, uh, play tonight, see how they do against Seattle. But th- th- there's no real competition in NFC East for Dallas. Dallas. While they might be slightly overrated, 
they still have Dak. They still have a, 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 a good enough defense, good offensive line, good weapons. They're going to easily run away with that division. Totally agreed. And quickly, we'll go through some scores. Bengals beat the Steelers 41 to 10. Look at Joe Burrow, man. He is leading that team. So is Trey Hendrickson, FAU. He's doing a fantastic job after signing that contract with Cincinnati. The Bucs, I, I went into that game. I texted my friend Tyler. It's a Bucs fan. I said, this is a trap game for the Bucs. It almost was. Uh, they came out in the end 38-31, though. You went to the Dolphin game. They won. There's a very high chance that they could win some of their games upcoming and get up to 7-7, seven and seven, which C.J. Uri said in the group chat after they won two weeks ago, and I was like, pump the brakes, buddy. Uh, but now it might happen, right? I mean, you know, good for the Dolphins. Tua looks a little bit better. Who knows what they do with him? If we get into that discussion, I know you're short on time. Uh, we'll be here for another 20 minutes. But then the Dolphins, the, uh, excuse me, Patriots beat the Titans 36 to 13. That wasn't the real Titans. Good win for the Patriots. They're definitely going to get into the playoffs, I would say. But they didn't beat the real Tennessee Titans yesterday. They were down to three total receivers and no Derrick Henry. So no A.J. Brown, no Julio Jones, no Derrick Henry. Kind of tough to win, especially against New England when they're performing the way they are. Um, Broncos beat the Chargers. So Chargers have really been struggling after really starting out nicely, beating the Chiefs on the road, having all those wins. Then they went into Denver, couldn't win. Packers beat the Rams. Rams also on a bit of a slide, uh, 38, uh, excuse me, 36 to 28 win for the Packers. Um, they're going to run away with that NFC North. The Rams are still going to make the playoffs, I think, but uh, they have shown this year that they've struggled to beat the top teams. And then 49ers beat the Vikings 34 to 26. And after the win, which is really curious to me, reports were coming out that they're going to trade Garoppolo at the end of the season so that Trey Lance can start. They just won. They're in a playoff position. Can we chill out for a second? I support the Trey Lance thing, but really odd time for that article. And then your Ravens beat the Browns last night. To me, as expected, you should. Uh, the Browns and Baker Mayfield, we've been talking about it for the entire semester, uh, that Baker is just not working out in terms of what Cleveland's trying to do. So they were at full strength yesterday, the Cleveland Browns. This wasn't the Browns without their running backs and everything like that. Um, what do you think about that Raven game or any other takes from NFL from yesterday? Well, I want to just, I don't, I've been saying this for a few weeks. I'm not sure if it's even a hot take anymore. I've been saying that Tua is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And it is, it is that, that when you say it at first, that sounds like a hot take, but Baker, the only thing Baker really has going for him is his, he is a cannon of an arm and he likes to talk. And he was the first overall pick outside of that. Tua has a much better ball placement, much better accuracy, uh, much better leadership skills. Uh, we've seen in his second year, we're seeing Tua improve, even in even with you know the overlooming. Oh, you might not be here next year. You might not be our guy. Whereas Baker is given everything he could possibly want. He has a good offensive line. He has two great running backs. He had Odell. They couldn't work things out. Has Jarvis, has uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant, the FAU alum uh, on offense. And then you have a defense on the on the other side that is a top five defense. Uh, they've got a little exposed over, the, over the, the season at certain points. However, some of that has to do with the offense struggling and forcing to be out there more often than not. So if I'm the Browns, I'm entering the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Depending how the Packers season go, I'm entering the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. I doubt that Russell Wilson would want to go to, to Cleveland. Uh, but if you if you can get somebody better than Baker, it's kind of like the Dolphins' argument for 
for why they should move off of Tua. Uh, I, I love Tua. However, obviously Russell Wilson's better. Obviously Deshaun Watson's better. Obviously Aaron Rodgers is better. It's just a matter of how much better and how much can we see Tua improve throughout the rest of the season. So Browns need have to have serious conversations at, at, about moving off of Baker. Uh, as for the Ravens, I'm not really concerned about that game. You know, it was the first really bad weather game for the Ravens. You know, it's cold, it's snowing. Uh, Lamar, you know, didn't didn't play too great. Had four interceptions, not his best game by any any stretch of imagination. However, at the end of the day, they're the number one seed right now. You're looking at a buy, uh, a buy when you enter into the playoffs. Uh, with the Patriots right behind them, who the Patriots, uh, as much as I hate to say, are they deserve credit as much as I, I, I didn't want to give it to him uh, throughout the year. Mac Jones had his uh, his best yardage mark as a pro, 310 yards. They beat a weakened Tennessee Titans team. However, they do everything you could want a, a, a Super Bowl team to do. They're well coached. Defense is good. Offensive line is good. Quarterbacks not making uh, is making not making error throws. So the Patriots have to be up there, but uh, from for me, the best team in the league is the is the Green Bay Packers, and that I'm not even sure if it's close. They don't have David Bakhtiari. They don't have Jair Alexander. They don't have their best linebacker, and they're still out here beating top teams. They lost to the Vikings last week, which was, you know, it could have gone either way. They, they, uh, they, they, beat, they beat the Cardinals without Devontae Adams, and Aaron Rodgers is looking just as good as he did as his MVP season last year. And this team looks just on paper better than their Super Bowl team when they won it 10 years ago. They could run the ball. Their defense is much improved. Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers has that even more experience. So I would really love to see them not have the playoff they did last year where the coaching staff and the quarterback wasn't on the same page. You know, they, they elected to not go for it there when they got close on um, a fourth and goal. I, I'd really like to see the Packers push off into the Super Bowl because this is a very entertaining team that can do multiple things to hurt you. And for right now, the Green Bay Packers, they're my Super Bowl favorites. Hey, I mean, that's a bold take, but I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, listen, the Rams, like we said, have been struggling. Can Kyler Murray really beat Aaron Rodgers in an NFC championship type scenario? I don't know. Um, so, Hey, it's, it's a very legitimate pick. Um, but you know, I, I saw, I, I was just thinking about it the other day. Would it not be the best thing in the world to get Patriots bucks? Uh, that would be pretty insane, but I don't think it's going to happen. There's no way that uh, Mac Jones is going to go through the AFC, but it would be pretty amazing and quite the storybook type of Super Bowl uh, for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick if that were to happen. So uh, I do know that you are uh, short on time, Jacob. We're going to get out of here today, but Strictly Baseball coming later this week. Steve Cash and I going to break everything down. Just got a tweet uh, about two minutes ago that says Corey Seager and Javier Baez we're recording this on Monday are likely to sign today. So by the time you're listening to this, they might be signed already as well. We'll see maybe Corey Seager, the Yankees. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we will see. Uh, so that is it for today's pod. Jacob, I will talk to you soon. Uh, follow me on Twitter at strictly sports P Facebook and Instagram at strictly sports productions. Follow on FAUL radio on Twitter at FAUL radio, same username on Instagram as well. Thanks so much, Jacob, and uh, we will see you next time.